welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode 17, (laughs) Passion. Yeah, we are. So one quick Uh, announcement. Uh, Next week is Book Club, where we'll be covering Demon X Machina by Julia Kenner. Um, This week I do have the book correct. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) go me. Uh, So if you haven't started yet, now's the perfect time to start reading slash listening, however you consume your media. And as always, I'll have a link to the book in this week's show notes. You know, we're saying that we need we need something a little lighter than passion, but is it going to really be lighter than passion? No, it's not. That's fine. It's fine. Fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So speaking of passion, uh, it aired February 24th, 1998, which was a Tuesday. And our synopsis is Angel targets Buffy's loved ones, including her mother, while Jenny tries to restore his soul. Pretty much to the point. Yep. Yep. That's basically the point. (laughs) So do we have any titles that are not passion? We do have three today. So yes. So in Finnish, we have Ghost of Passion. Interesting. French, The Orb of Thessala. Makes sense. And the Germans, you know, they oh. they got us once again with Greetings from the Afterlife. That makes no sense, but I love it. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Makes but absolutely no sense, but I love it. That sounds like it would be a great book title. Right? I'm going to write a book now called Greetings from the Afterlife. Greetings from the Afterlife. Like the story of... A ghost or, you know, who's wandering the earth, visiting their loved ones. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think about this. This is gonna, I'm gonna write yeah, this we'll, book now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bat around some ideas later. Yeah, we'll workshop this. Yes. All right. We begin with a previously on that takes us mostly through the events of Surprise and Innocence, reminding us of what happened to Angel and why. Yeah, just in case you forgot that sex makes men evil. And I'm going to I'm just going to say this now, since it pops up throughout the episode, I'm just going to kind of skip over the passion speech and we'll talk about it in its entirety at the end, especially because it was originally a very different speech. And we'll we'll compare and contrast the two. But trying to like do it on the scenes it appears at is going to be very difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a very like it. It's fantastic. Oh, like in the episode over what's happening, but trying to dissect it. Yeah, during us. It's yeah, it's not going to It's going to be a lot easier to just talk about at the end. Yeah. We start at the bronze where Buffy and the others are hanging out. Buffy and Xander dancing and Willow and Cordelia sitting at a nearby table talking. Unbeknownst to any of them, they're being watched. Angel lurking in the shadows as a voiceover shares his thoughts on passion. He's back to being creeper, Angel. (laughs) He is is like maximum creeper in this episode. This is is the, you you cannot get any creeper than what he's doing in this episode. Later on, the foursome leave the club, passing two people making out in the al- in an alley. Only they're not making out. One of those two people is Angelus, and he's drinking the other dry, letting her body fall to the ground as he watches Buffy and her friends walk away. He begins to follow, and we switch to Buffy's room, Buffy wandering about, getting ready for bed. She checks her window before going to get changed, climbing into bed a few moments later. Okay, is it just me or like all her lampshades upside down? It looked like that. Yeah, like all her lamp, and I mean, it's probably a like a lighting thing for the set because it pushes the light upwards. Yeah, instead of downwards. But I was like, why do all her 
like lampshades make the like V shape instead of like the A shape. Yeah, maybe. And maybe it was just something that she did because we did a lot of weird shit in the 90s. We did. We really did. Especially with especially with decorating. This is true. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) it could be anything. She turns out the light and we see Angelus lurking right there outside the window. And it only gets worse because in the next shot, he's in her room, on her bed, caressing her hair. And that, oh that my is God. Just, that is a big it's, note for me. No. And it's a big note for a lot of others. I mean, we we all know how a certain friend of ours feels about creepy hair caresses. And oh, it just, God. Mm, mm, <laughs> oh, mm, my God. Mm, no. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that's all I could think about in that scene. I was like, nope. Yeah, no, no. But I mean, at least, at least with our friends, creepy hair caressing, at least that was in public. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like why they were sleeping. But we don't know that we don't know that it didn't happen. Oh, God, we don't. Oh, 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 Okay. No. Well, (laughs) let's let's let's. Yeah, let's let's move on. Oh, God. We are terrible friends. (laughs) We are. That's great. She's going to listen to this episode and be like, I hate you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because who knows what went on in that room when I'm so glad we had our own room. (laughs) Right. And Jealous continues his thoughts on passion before we're taken into the credits. After the credits, we return to Buffy's room. She wakes up only to find an envelope left on her pillow. She sits up, opens the envelope and finds a drawing of her sleeping. It's a very good drawing. It's a very good drawing. I'm also enjoying the idea that Angelus has like a bunch of sheets of paper and envelopes in his coat. He just he carries a full stationary set with him at all times. He's got a he's got a beautiful pencil. Right? Like he's just carrying his little art set. Like it that's amazing. I know. Creep creeping around, creeping artist. Needless to say, she is seriously wigged out. I'd be wigged out if it was done by by somebody that I knew was in my house. Like, why are you drawing me while I'm sleeping? Yeah, like, why are you just staring at me while I sleep, creeper? Yeah, I mean, draw me like one of your French girls, but do it when I'm awake. Yeah. Oh, so, so creepy. In the library, she tells Giles and Xander and Cordy about her late night visitor. Is she sure he was there? Real sure. (laughs) He left a drawing on her pillow. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who else would have done that? Xander shakes his head. A visit from the pointed tooth fairy. (laughs) Cordelia says she thought vampires could only enter if invited. That's true, yes. But once a vampire is invited, they may come and go freely. Xander says this could be a valuable lesson to them about letting strange men into their bedrooms. I I agree. Oh, God. Cordelia realizes she invited him into her car once. This means (laughs) he can enter her car whenever he wants. Xander tells her that, sadly, she is now stuck giving Angelus and his vampire buddies a ride whenever they want. I always think about that. (laughs) I always think about that because, Cordy, I don't think, I think he could come into your car anytime, no matter what. Yeah. I I don't know that you need an invitation for a car, but, you know. He hears they never chip in for gas. So a great little tidbit about the beginning of the scene. So when they were setting up the scene, the director apparently put Anthony behind the desk. And so he had a moment of like, okay, well, what am I doing behind this desk? And so he grabbed a stamp to like act like he was like stamping the school address in the books. So Mm -hmm. when he joins this very serious conversation, he's like still carrying the stamp. And apparently that has like just always amused Tony. He's always been like very like, haha, this thing happened. So I love and I love the fact that it is such a actor 
a trained actor thing to be like, what am I doing? What is my motivation? What is happening in this scene? I need to have something to do. Yes. And we'll get into this more later in like season four and stuff when it comes up. But that's one of my favorite things that like James Marsters has ever said, because he said there'd be some scenes where he like wasn't really clear on his motivation and why he was like still hanging around the good guys. And he was like, so I just played it like I always came to kill Xander and then I just kind of forgot. Yeah, I like that idea. That's like, I was like, I'm going to go kill Xander. Oh, there's something more interesting happening. Yeah. Which is also like. One of the reasons why I love Spike in the later seasons, especially, Mm -hmm. where he's just there and he's just like, I want to kill these people. But oh, there's other fun things that we can do. Yeah. Buffy asked Giles about a reversal. There has to be one, right? Like a barrier of some sort. No shoes, no pulse, no service. (laughs) That would work for a car, too. Giles says he'll he'll start checking. He stops as Xander stands, pointing at the door, and two students, one of whom is Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan. He's that so just cute. came in. What do they think they're doing? They came to get some books on Stalin. He's very he's very offended, like, I- I'm in the library, so what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I mean, Xander wants to know if this looks like a Barnes and Noble to them. Giles reminds Xander that it is the school library. Since when? <laughs> Like, hello, I always, Xander, books. It is, I, I think I said this before, but it is one of my favorite things is when other kids come into the library. Yes. And they're all, like, the, the Scoobies are offended because this is their library. This is their meeting space. How dare you come in here? Why are you in our secret clubhouse? You were not invited. I miss our secret clubhouse. I miss our secret clubhouse so much. Giles points the students in the right direction and Xander motions for the door. They should probably take this conversation elsewhere. Yes, because the sure-to-be-crowded hallway is better than having two extra people in the library. Well, you know what? Nobody in that school seems to notice any of the discussions about supernatural things. This is true. They talk in the library a lot. They Or they talk they, in the hallway they, a lot. Yeah, they're always talking in the hall about the weird shit that's going on. And nobody seems to care. As they walk, Giles mentions that Angelus seems to have stepped up his harassment of her by leaving presents. Cordelia wonders why he doesn't just slit her throat or strangle her or cut out her heart. (laughs) Giles tells Buffy it's a classic strategy, that he's trying to rattle her and throw her off her game, provoke and taunt her. Xander calls this the na-na-na-na-na approach to battle. (laughs) And Giles says yes. Correct. And that once again, Xander has managed to take a complex idea and boil it down to its most simplest form. Buffy then brings up the fact that Angel once told her that when he was obsessed with Drusilla, the first thing he did was kill her family, which means her mom is in very real danger. She needs to tell her something. The truth? Giles says no. (laughs) Most definitely not. No. And Xander agrees. The more people that know Buffy's secret, the more it cheapens it for the rest of them. She has to tell her something, has to do something. Angelus has an all-access pass to her house, and she's not always home when her mom is. Giles tells her that he'll find a spell. What about until he does? Until then, Cordelia offers, Buffy and her mom can ride around with her in her car. (laughs) Giles says he understands her frustrations, but she needs to keep a level head. Easy for him to say he's not the one who has Angelus lurking in his bedroom. Giles gets it. He understands how hard this is for her. Okay, maybe he doesn't. But she's the slayer, and as such, she does not have the luxury of being a slave to passion, no matter how provocative his behavior may become. So what he's saying is just ignore him and maybe he'll go away? 
Actually, yes. Xander wants to know why Buffy's response didn't get her. Once again, I've seen you boiled it down to the simplest form thing. (laughs) Well, maybe because Buffy didn't say, nah, 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 nah. Well, this is true. He calls her Watcher's Pet. From there, we move to Jenny's classroom with Willow, where class is just wrapping up. As everyone leaves, Jenny asks to see Willow. She might be a little late the next day and was wondering if Willow would be willing to cover the class until she got in. Her? Teach the class? Okay. But wait. What if they don't respect her authority? What if they try to convince her that Jenny always lets them leave class early? What if there's a fire drill or a fire? (laughs) Jenny assures her that she's going to do great and that she'll try to be in as soon as she can. Good. Good. Because, you know, earlier is better. She asks if she'll have the power to assign detention or make them run laps right as Giles and Buffy show. You know that she she would go mad with power. She Willow really would. Yes, yes. I am the teacher. You respect me. Go run laps. We. I mean, we've seen her in her Giles moments. Yes, we have. Yes, yes. Authoritative Willow could be scary. Yes, it can. Buffy greets Willow, and Jenny greets both Buffy and Giles, but gets nothing. Buffy says she was thinking of taking in a class and thought Willow might want to join. With a nod, she does, apologizing to Buffy and saying that she had to talk to Jenny. She's a teacher. And teachers would be respected, even if they're only temporary. The two of them leave and Jenny looks to the doorway where Giles is still lurking. He steps in further and Jenny asks how he's been. Not too good, actually. Seems since Angel lost his soul, he's regained his sense of whimsy. Giles needs to find a spell to keep him out of the house. That causes Jenny to reach for a book on her desk, which she hands to Giles. Ever since Angel changed, she's been doing a little reading, and from what she can remember, he doesn't have that one. He thanks her, flipping through it, and she asks how Buffy's doing. The mention of Buffy reminds Giles that he's supposed to be mad at her, and he asks Jenny how she thinks Buffy's doing. Jenny tells him that she knows he feels betrayed. Yes! Yes, he does, as that is one of the unpleasant side effects of betrayal. Jenny reminds him that she was raised by the people Angelus hurt the most, that her duty to them was the first thing she was ever taught. She didn't come there to hurt anyone. She didn't know what would happen, that she would fall in love with him. They lock eyes. They lock eyes and Jenny realizes what she just said. Embarrassed, she asked if it's too late to take that back. Does she want to? She just wants to be right with him. That's it. She doesn't expect anything else. All she wants is to make up for it all. Okay, kiss and make up. Right? Just kiss. Like, insert smashing their faces together. Just kiss. Giles says he's not the one she needs to make it up to. Then, thanking her for the book, he leaves. Oh no, my heart. I know. It's broken. It's so sad. Also, I know Buffy is still hurting, but do not go into Jenny's classroom and be snotty to her. I know. Wait in the hall. I know. And and we, it'll come up, like... Another issue that I have with Buffy and Jenny late, you know, later in one of their conversations. So, yeah, Buffy needs to chill the fuck out. But speaking of Buffy, she and her mom are currently having dinner, by which we mean Buffy is poking at the food on her plate and fooling no one. Joyce asks what's wrong and Buffy tries to brush off the question with the typical nothing. But Joyce says it's okay. She can tell her she's read all the parenting books. (laughs) Nothing can surprise her. I do love Mm. that we see the return of Joyce's parenting books. Yes. Yes. Knowing she needs to eventually tell her mom something, she gives in and asks if she remembers Angel. Angel, the college boy that was tutoring her in history? Right. Buffy says they're kind of dating, or were kind of dating, that they're having a serious off phase right now. Joyce knows the drill. He's changed. Not the guy she first fell for. In a nutshell, Mm. thing is, since they stopped seeing one another, he's been hanging around. Like he's having trouble letting go. 
Joy says if he's done something. No, no, it's not like that. He's just around a lot and sending her notes. But it's nothing. She just doesn't want to see him. If he shows up, she'll talk to him. Just don't invite him in, okay? This scene actually goes on for a few seconds longer in the original script. And Joyce is like ready to call the cops right then and there. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't blame her. Like if my daughter was telling me that this guy that she was seeing was creeping. Oh, I would be. Well, and then the other thing is like looking at it from Joyce's perspective, I'd be like, I would like to talk to his parents. Yes. Where are his parents? <laughs> Where are his parents? Well, let that's me talk the- to his parents. That's the thing. So in the little bit of dialogue that got cut, Joyce is like literally ready to call the cops and she asks what Angel's last name is. And Buffy mm-hmm. like stalls because she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that was, I'm kind of sad that got like cut out because that was a really good like, oh yeah, we don't know what his last name is. Yeah, we just know his name is Angel. Yeah, because at this point we don't even know his name is Liam. No, no, because... Yeah, because, yeah, when do we... Yeah, we don't find out that his name was Liam until, like... We may find out... So, I we may find out in Becoming, or we may find out in Angel the Series. Yeah, I I feel like it's Angel the Series we find out. Yeah, it's, like, during some flashback with Darla, but I don't remember which set of flashbacks with Darla. Yeah. On that, we switch to Willow, who is in her room, in her pajamas, and on the phone with Buffy. Willow agrees with Giles. Buffy needs to not let Angel get to her. She knows. She just wishes Giles would hurry up with the barrier spell. She'll sleep a lot easier once she can, you know, sleep easier. Willow knows and tells Buffy that in the meantime to think happy thoughts. We should note that during her side of the conversation, Willow's moved around her room to a fish tank, noticeably void of fish. Mm-hmm. At least we noticed. <laughs> yeah, we noticed she it. doesn't notice and sprinkles some food flakes in before turning to her bed where an envelope waits. Willow goes silent, reaching for the envelope, and Buffy says her name a few times, but gets no answer. As Willow is back in front of the tank, pulling out her fish, now dead and strung on what the script identifies as a gold necklace. I, you know what, when I first, I can remember when I first watched this episode, I did notice that there were no fish in the tank, but I was thinking that they just didn't put any fish in the tank. Or you, you didn't thought it see was the like, fish. like they sometimes, forgot. Or like sometimes, sometimes things just happen in production and we're like, yeah. oh, we, we, we couldn't get any fish in time. So it just is an empty tank. But then she pulled the fish out of the envelope and I was like, oh, there they are. Oh boy. <laughs> Cut to Willow and Buffy huddled together in Buffy's bed, <laughs> surrounded by garlic and with Willow holding a steak. That was so, that's such a cute... <laughs> Right. It's very dire, but it's also very cute. It is. Yeah, there, there's some it's it's just it's just very cute. The two of them and the way that their their faces look, but they're in their pajamas and they're just sitting together with the garlic around them. It's it's just such a cute scene. But even though, you know, Willow thanks Buffy for letting her stay over, especially on a school night. And Buffy tells Willow she's sorry about her fish. Well, this is, it's okay. They hadn't really had time to bond yet, but she is glad for the first time ever that her parents never let her have a puppy. Mm, yeah, because we did hear about the pu- uh, a puppy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buffy says it's weird that every time something like this happens, her first instinct is still to run to Angel. She can't believe he's the one doing all this. He's totally different. Yeah, except, except. Willow tells Buffy that she's still the only thing he thinks about. 
In the factory, Drusilla returns from a night out saying that she has something for Spike. Pulling a puppy out from behind her back, she tells him that the poor thing is an orphan. Her owner died without a fight. Does he like her? She brought her to cheer him up. And she named her Sunshine. Now open wide. Spike. Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> and Drew is like so proud of herself. And she and the puppy. I like that she just like keeps the puppy apparently at least yeah. for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Because she had like she's holding Miss Sunshine later on. And <laughs> yeah, I like to think that she ends up becoming attached to the puppy. I do, too. Like we don't see the puppy later, but I'm just going to assume it's running around somewhere. Yes. Like just hanging out with Drew and the dolls. Yep. Spike, he is not about this and is so attempts to ignore both the dog and Drew. However, Drew continues telling him that he needs to eat something to keep his strength up right before making growly puppy noises and telling him to open up for mummy. (laughs) Irritated, he begins to roll away saying he won't have Drew feeding him like a child. Why not? Angela steps into the scene, now also home. He reminds Spike that Drew already bathes him, carries him around, and changes him like a child. So, you know, what's one more thing? Drew wants to know where Angelus has been. The sun is almost up, and it can be quite hurtful. They were worried. No, they weren't. No. No, Spike was not worried at all. Spike was not worried. No, he was kind of hoping that Angel wouldn't come back. Drusilla tells him not to mind Spike. He's just a bit testy as he doesn't get out much anymore. (laughs) Angela says maybe next time he'll take him along. He'll be useful if he needs a really good parking spot. Oh my God, Angelus, you can't say shit like that. That is, yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he, he, he says some very problematic things. I think there's another one in a couple episodes that it's, is even worse. I mean, understandably, he's very, very evil, but still, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. (sighs) Spike reminds him that he is a guest in Spike's home. Angelus knows, and as a guest, if there's anything he can do, any responsibilities he can assume, you know, that he hasn't already. That's it. Spike's had enough. He pushes Angelus, causing the other vampire to step back, laughing. Drew laughs as well, handing Spike the puppy as she moves towards the table, talking about the two of them fighting over her and how it's (laughs) enough to make a girl feel... She never finishes that sentence. Instead, she cries out as she sees something. Spike asks what's wrong, and she says the air. It worries. An old enemy is reaching out for help, looking for something that would destroy their happy home. And oh, look, we just happened to conveniently next go to Jenny. Oh, look at that. And what a magic a great, shop. What a great scene change. Well, that we learn from the script is called Dragon's Cove. She enters, and the shopkeep, with a put-upon accent, <laughs> asks what it is that brings her in. Love potion? Or maybe a voodoo doll for that unfaithful ex. She says she needs an orb of Thessala. Oh, she's in the train. <laughs> I love how I love how quickly he changes once he realizes that she knows what she's talking about. Yes. He drops the accent and begins heading back around the corner, apologizing for the act. Around Valentine's Day, he gets a lot of tourists in, Ouija boards and rabbit's feet. It's sad, but it's what pays the rent. He asks how she heard about them, and she says her uncle Enyos. Oh, she must be Yana then. Sorry about her uncle. He was a good customer. Placing the case on the counter, he says, there she is. One Thessalon orb, a spirit vault for rituals of the undead. He tells Jenny he doesn't get calls for them, really. That he sold some as New Age paperweights last year, but that was it. (laughs) I love that that's going to come back later. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of like, I was thinking about, I also like the idea of 
magical objects being used as a paperweight because it takes me back to the Loki series. Yes. When he finds the drawer of Infinity Stones. Yeah, just and the guys, the guys, And the guy's like, oh, no, some of the guys use them as paperweights. Yeah. Those New Agers did send his kid to college, though. He reminds Jenny that the translational text for the ritual is lost and that without it, what's left is pretty much gibberish, making the orbs useless. She knows. He's only telling her because he has a strict no refunds policy. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Jenny's been working on a computer program to translate the text based on a small sampling. He doesn't like computers. Gives him the willies. She begins to head out and the shopkeep says, not that it's any of his business, but what is she planning to conjure? A present for a friend. Oh yeah? What's she giving him? His soul. I love the, the composition of that scene. Yes. Her holding, holding the orb. So I have a question about that because we'll see it again when Angel has it. Why is the orb glowing if there's nothing in it? It's just pretty, Mary. I, yeah, I understand it's because it looks cool. Yeah. That's but I feel really... like it should not be glowing if there's nothing in it. Yeah. It's just pretty. It recognizes that she has power and she's holding it. But so it it's glows glow. for Angelus too later. Just let it go, Mary. Okay. <laughs> At school, Buffy and Willow arrive together, Xander joining them as they head up the steps. So what did they do last night? Oh, they had sort of a sleepover pajama party with weapons. And mm-hmm. did either of them have the forethought to grab a camera? Before either girl can really respond to that, Willow says she has to go. She has a class to teach in about five minutes. We need to have more of those kind of sleepovers. Yes, we do. Yeah. Why haven't we thought of that? I don't know. We need. We do need to do that. <laughs> I was like, I have a yeah. bow. We can have a weapon sleepover. Yeah. yeah. Get some get some garlic and Panda. Can you imagine Panda? If you and I are sitting on a bed huddled sure. together with garlic surrounding us, she'd be like, Why are you what 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 are you doing with my garlic? Wait, I need that. Thank you. I need that. <laughs> Why do you have weapons? What is going on here? Never have enough weapons. <laughs> She has a class to teach in about five minutes, and she needs to arrive early to glare disapprovingly at the stragglers. (laughs) Except Willow then spots Jenny and deflated says she made it. Well, there goes her five hours of lesson planning. Don't worry, Willow, you'll be able to use that lesson planning later. Buffy also spots Jenny and tells Xander that she needs to go and that she'll catch up with him in a few. Running over, she stops in front of Jenny, greeting her with a, hey, hi, is there something she needs? Buffy says she knows Jenny feels bad about what happened and she just wants to say, good. I hate that. Keep it up. Okay. (laughs) Also, he misses her. He won't say anything to Buffy, but she knows he does and she doesn't want him to be lonely. She doesn't want anyone to be lonely. Jenny starts to say if she had a way to, but Buffy stops her. They're good there. So save it. She walked (sighs) away, leaving Jenny staring after her. I... Don't be mean to Jenny. I want to smack Buffy in this moment. It's just so petulant. Yeah. Like, cause, like Buffy, don't act like you are so much better. You know, you have your secrets, too. That's, you know, wait till you're... That's a big like, thing with this. Like, I understand the reaction in the moment. Yeah. Like, when everything came crashing down. But Buffy and Giles also rely on secrecy and the occult exactly. and their duty to this ancient calling. That's that's what bothers me. That's what bothers me about this whole thing. Like I can understand, like like going back to Jenny being possessed. I can understand her being a little cool after that because that was really a violation. You know, yeah. she was used by a demon. Yeah. But they 
they she got over it. You know, they slowly got back to being a little bit better. But Buffy and Giles being so mean to her, like you said, they have their own secrets. Yeah. You know, and I mean, yes, Buffy was not found as a child. She was called as a teenager. But Giles was taught from a very young age Mm -hmm. that he was going to be a watcher. And he was taught that duty and that responsibility the same as she was taught her responsibility to her people. And look at how like look at how he how he reacts when, you know, Xander and Willow find out about her being the slayer. Like he is still thinking about that sense of duty and how like he keeps telling her how she has to keep her identity a secret. Yeah. So how is that any different than what Jenny did? It's not. It's not. It's <laughs> I love this show. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. And I do love Buffy. But there yes. are a lot of moments as you go through the series and we'll see it as it goes on. And especially, I think, a lot in season three. Yes. And other thing that she has this very self-righteous like it's okay for her but not okay for anyone else yeah exactly exactly like there are moments that that needs to be called out and there are other moments where like you know what like with what's my line and all that her mm -hmm. snottiness is kind of that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say i was gonna bring up what's my line because we talked about that in those episodes she is just having a rough time like her life sucks but yeah they're all in this together and she doesn't always get to be the only one allowed to bend these rules. Right. Yeah. And and so, yeah, like the way that they treat Jenny in this episode, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I am not yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. And like and that whole, oh, I know you feel bad. Good. Keep feeling that way. Yeah, no, that's like, that's uncalled for. Yeah. Like uh, like I, I remember when I first watched this episode, I thought Buffy was going to be like, you know what? It sucks what happened, but we got to all work together Yeah, to fight Angel. Like, I thought she would be coming to her senses, but no, she's just going to be a petulant teenager. The only people who hold grudges, the only people who <laughs> hold grudges better than demons are teenagers. This is true. This is true. Yep. Heading inside, Buffy finds Giles and he tells her that he found the ritual to revoke the invitation. Oh, thank God. Cordelia says she had to talk her grandmother into switching cars with her. I, I love that. I love that Cordy was fully prepared to sacrifice grandma. <laughs> grandma. <It's> like, <laughs> Sorry, grandma. Sorry. Oh. Giles says it's fairly simple. The recitation of a few rhyming couplets, the burning of herbs, the sprinkling of holy water. Easy enough, as that's all stuff Buffy has in her house. And oh, yes, the hanging of crucifixes. <laughs> Cue the gang in Willow's room. Willow nailing a crucifix to her wall, <laughs> where it's sure to be hidden by a curtain. Willow says if her parents see it, she'll have a hard time explaining it. Will it really be that bad? Ira <laughs> Rosenberg's only daughter nailing crucifixes to her wall? She has to go to Xander's every year just to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. She gets the point. Yeah. No, I like how she's like, I need this crucifix, but I got, <laughs> I have to hide, be able to hide it. Well, this is it's worth it, though, to see him do the Snoopy dance. <laughs> a Charlie Brown Christmas, probably the most famous of the Charlie Brown specials, yep. first aired in 1965 as a CBS television special, apparently commissioned and sponsored by the Coca-Cola Company. Oh. It has received both an Emmy and a Peabody Award. It has become a staple of the holiday season, inspiring the creation of other half-hour animated specials, such as How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Frosty the Snowman. And... 
as an added Willow bonus, we are recording this on November 28th, which is the first night of Hanukkah. Oh, yes, we are. Yes. Because this is this one of the first moments where we find where like it's actually confirmed that they're Jewish? No, that's in Bad Eggs where she says her egg is Jewish. Right. Yes, yes. This is okay. where we learn her parents' names, or her dad's yes. name, at least. We, yes. I think we I don't there learn was, her yeah. mom's name till season three. Yes. when <laughs> Season three, when when her mom meets up with Joyce. Yes. During Gingerbread. I love that episode. <laughs> they turn to find Cordelia standing by the fish tank. Is Willow aware there's no fish in there? She makes a sad sound, and Buffy tells Cordelia, they've already done her car. She can go if she wants. Great. And, you know, she'd do the same for them if they had social lives. She grabs her coat, finding an envelope beneath it. It must be for Willow. Willow takes the paper out, looks at it, and then says, it's for Buffy. It's another picture, this time of a sleeping Joyce. Oh, there he is with his stationery again. That's just all kinds of not good. No, no. And speaking of not good, we next go to Joyce, arriving home after dark, having just run some errands. She pulls in the drive, which is the weirdest looking drive. I don't think I've ever noticed it before. It's like two strips of pavement with a patch of grass running down the middle. And like, I don't know, maybe that's normal for some California neighborhoods. I know... I know it's not for the Bra- uh, the Browskis, for Jackie's mom. Like, they have just an all-cement one. Yeah. And I don't think Panda's old neighborhood has drives like that. They're just all cement. But I'm guessing some neighborhoods have it for, like, the aesthetic. Yeah, it's probably for the... We'll just blame the aesthetic. Anyway, she pulls in to find Angela standing there waiting. He goes to help Joyce out of the car and says he needs to talk to her. Joyce tells Angelus that Buffy's told her about him and she doesn't want to be with him. That he's scaring her. He in turn tells her that he can't stay away. He has to be with her. Maybe she can convince her. She has to convince her. Joyce reiterates that Buffy wants him to stay away, but he needs her help. She tries to move past him, but Angelus follows. And when she accidentally drops the bag, he begins helping her pick things up. She doesn't understand. He'll die without Buffy and she'll die without him. <laughs> that sends off alarm bells in Joyce's head. Yep. And she asks if Angelus is threatening Buffy. He just wants to know why is she doing this to him? Joyce says she's calling the police now. She heads up the steps and towards the front door. Still, Angelus follows. He hasn't been able to sleep. Not since the night he and Buffy made love. Oh, poor Joyce. Joyce stares at him, and once again, he says he needs her. She has to understand. Joyce tells him once more to leave and heads inside, where Angelus cannot follow, thanks to the ritual, which Buffy and Willow are just now finishing up. I like them. I like that scene, the way that they do. With Willow coming down the stairs. Yeah. Coming to the door, Buffy slams it shut in Angelus's face, saying, Sorry, change the locks. (laughs) Bless bless Joyce for trying to talk sense into Angel. Yes. Good. Joyce did good. She was, you know, you know, you got to consider she doesn't know what the situation is. Speaking of secrets. So she's treating him like a person that is scared. Like she just thinks he's being obsessive and hanging around. Yeah. So, yeah. Good for her trying to diffuse the situation. Back at school, Jenny works on her computer program. Giles pauses in the door of her classroom, watching for a moment before greeting her. No. She's working late. Special project. Jenny then tells Giles she spoke to Buffy, something that clearly piques his interest. She said he missed her. Oh, well, she is a meddlesome girl. No. Jenny goes on to tell him that she doesn't want to say anything yet. 
that she might have found something. No, say something. Go home with him. Leave the school. She has a little bit more work to do there. And then could she see him later? Yes. Yes, she could come by. Giles is, he's just so happy there. And and so is Jenny. And I know. You know what? And no, not like knowing what's coming is just, oh, yeah. It just, it hurts my heart because this is the last moment the two of them will share. It is their last happy moment. And it's, it's so sad. Damn you powers that be. Yeah. I say we just end the episode here. Call it a day. Yeah. Jenny went no, to Giles's. This was, this was a proposed. very, this was a very short episode. It's a very short episode. Jenny went to Giles's. He proposed. They all lived happily ever after, except Angel Nothing. because he has stupid hair. Nothing happened. Nothing else happened after this scene. She finishes up her project. The next episode is them getting Angel's soul back. Yes. Perfect. Yay. Yay. Ugh, no. In another universe. No, we can't do that. As much as I no. want to. Ugh. From Jenny's, we return to the magic shop where Drusilla and Sunshine have come a calling. The shopkeep is just about to lock up when they enter. The shopkeep starts to tell Drew he's closed until he sees who it is that walked into his shop. What does she want? Drew says that Miss Sunshine told her that he had a visitor today, <laughs> but that she worries. She wants to know what he and the mean teacher talked about. Rude! Jenny is a delight. She's She is not mean. Jenny is the perfect person. We return then to the school where it seems Jenny has just about finished her program. Mm. She runs the translation sequence and lo and behold, it works. She now has the key to restoring Angel's soul. Pressing print. She also makes sure to save a copy on a yellow disc as there were no USB drives. But when she goes to check on the printing, (laughs) she sees... Yes! I know, it just, it, it hit, like, when you say it like that, it just hits me. <laughs> There's just no, no USB drives. No USB drives. <laughs> this is the 90s, we didn't have those, so it's on the, no, the, we didn't. the hard little yellow disc. Oh, yeah. That yellow disc isn't just the save button. No. <laughs> <laughs> but when she goes to check on the printing, she sees Angelus sitting at one of the desks watching. Oh, no. How did he get in there? Well, it's a public building. Didn't yeah, didn't so, you guys discuss this in in the movie episode about how like you don't really need an invitation to come into a school? Yeah, so we did, but like yeah, cuz they do the whole like how are they to dance we invited them. But a school's a public school is a public school. It's a public building. Yeah. Yeah, you and don't that's really like, need Angel's been in the school before now. Yeah. But you know what? He wants to be snarky, so he's going to say that yeah. he was invited. Thanks to the sign outside. Enter all ye who seek knowledge. What can he say? He's a knowledge seeker. She tells him she has news and he says, he knows. She went shopping at the local boogity boogity store. <laughs> he then approaches the desk, picking up the Orba Thessala and playing with it, saying if he remembers correctly, it summons a person's soul, holds it until it can be transferred. Do you know what he's always hated about those? He throws the orb towards Jenny, causing it to shatter when it hits the blackboard beside her. They're so damn fragile. Oh, Jenny. Of course, by now, Jenny is attempting to edge ever so slowly (laughs) towards the door. Yeah, like, And she does make it to the door, but she remains there as Angelus continues looking at the computer. It always amazes him how much the world has changed in the past two centuries. She put the key to restoring his soul in there. He sends the computer crashing to the ground, it exploding and causing a small fire. And then it comes out here. (laughs) He pulls the pages from the printer, looking them over. 
The spell of restoration. Wow. That really brings back memories. <laughs> he begins to tear the said pages, but Jenny tells him no, that that's his cure. He makes a face. Been there, done that, no desire to go back. But hey, look at this. The computer and the pages. He gets to kill two birds with one stone. And teacher makes three. For some reason, while Angelus was speaking, Jenny moved away from the door. Yeah. And and now tries to run past him to escape. I feel like that might be a little continuity error. Yeah. He catches her, throwing her down, and she gets up, running through the door she was originally near. Yeah. As she takes off, Angelus pursues, saying he needs to work up an appetite anyway. It's a chase that takes them throughout most of the school, ending when Jenny runs right into him atop the steps. Uh, Oh, no. The two of them in front of the giant window, telling Jenny that this is where she gets off. It's a beautifully framed, it's a beautifully framed shot. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Angela snaps her neck, letting her fall to the ground before remarking, I never get tired of doing that. I remember being so shocked. Yeah. When he killed her. Mm-hmm. That moment, I, I remember sitting in my room watching this episode and just being like, <gasps> and my mom coming in the room like, are you okay? Like, no, they just killed Jenny. And she's like, oh, you're crying. Of, you're crying over a fictional character again. <laughs> yeah, our parents dealt with a lot of that. Yeah. You know, I, I remember being very, very upset. Like, very upset. I was very, like, very invested in the Giles and Jenny story. Yeah, because my my friend in high school and I, like, we had this whole convoluted crossover universe between Buffy and Highlander and, like, all of these things. And we had Giles and Jenny together, and there were children. And I remember us being just devastated when Jenny died. Oh, it was, it was rough. Because it, it was, it, it was one of those things where you don't expect the good guys to die. No. You don't. Like, that's, that's, the good, the good guys are not supposed to die. No. I mean, that, that's something this show does well. It's something the show did from the first season mm-hmm. is that it, it crushes that expectation. Yeah. Everybody, nobody is safe. And definitely someone had to die. Yes. Because they needed that push of like, no, he's gone. Like, this is not. This is, yeah, he needed to, yes. Like, him killing, him killing some random unnamed students and stuff is not as impactful as he killed somebody close to us. Yeah. So. And then what he does later. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about it in this episode. We'll talk about it in Becoming, and we'll talk about it in Season 3. I would have had a hard time letting Angel back in after all of this. Like, I yes. I don't disagree with Giles's anger at Buffy hiding the fact that Angel returned. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with Xander being pissed about it. Exactly, yeah. Like, it... <laughs> Yeah, no. Like, it, yes, it, it wasn't him. And and we do talk about this with Spike and Spike went and got his soul and all that. And you you can't hold the stuff that Angelus does against Angel, but to look into his face and know that that's the same face that killed someone we cared about. I yep. would have a very hard time. I like I would understand the difference, mm-hmm. but I would have a very hard time letting him back in. Yeah, and it would take a lot. It would take yeah. a lot to... You know, because because and, you know, you feel for you feel for Buffy when we get to 
you know, when we get to the end where he where she has to kill him. Yeah. And when he changes when he changes back Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know what happened. No, he doesn't know what he did. And you can feel for them. But in the same vein, it would take a lot to forgive someone for what. And then it because because not only did he kill Jenny, but then he did what we're going to be talking about in a minute. Yeah. Like it wasn't just killing somebody. It was tormenting. Yeah. Back at Buffy's, Giles has arrived. Willow opens Guess the door. Guess we gotta let, get there. <laughs> letting him in and handing him the book containing the ritual to deny Angela's access. Giles says he should probably do his apartment that night. Yeah, a little too late, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you should have done done that first before you even gave them the book. He then asks if the ritual went okay, and Willow says, yeah, great. Well, right up until Angela showed up and told Buffy's mom that the two of them, you know, he does <laughs> know, right? Giles assures Willow he knows. Okay, good. So uh, she'll tell Buffy he stopped by. Giles hesitates. Maybe he should say something, intervene on Buffy's behalf. Maybe. Yeah. What would he say? Well, um, he could. Willow just opens the door for him and he heads out. <laughs> I, I like that. Okay. Bye bye now. It's a very. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what? What are you going to say, Giles? Like you're just the you're just the librarian. Upstairs, Buffy and Joyce are in her room. Buffy tries to explain that the stuff with the herbs and the Latin, it, it's just that he's really superstitious. Joyce just wants to know if Angel was the first. No, wait, never mind. She doesn't <laughs> want to know. Buffy confirms that yes, he was the first. The only. Joyce says he's older than her. She knows. Too old, really. And he's clearly not stable. <laughs> she just, she wishes Buffy had shown better judgment. Buffy tells her mom he wasn't like this before. Joyce asks if she's in love with him. She was. Were they careful? Buffy doesn't want to talk about it, but Joyce says no. <laughs> she doesn't get to get out of this. Nope. She had sex with a boy that she didn't even see fit to tell Joyce she was dating. And a boy that she doesn't even know his last name. No. Buffy gets it. She made a mistake. And Joyce says she's hoped she's not just saying that to shut her up because Joyce really thinks she did. She knows. She knows, but she can't, she can't tell her mom everything. What about something? Joyce is used to Buffy cutting her out. That's pretty much par for the course these days. But that doesn't mean she stops caring about her. She loves her more than anything in the world. Sitting down next to Buffy, she tells her that's her cue to roll her eyes and say she's grossing her out. (laughs) Buffy tells her she's not. I love Joyce so much. Okay, then, so that was the talk. (laughs) How'd it go? Joyce isn't sure. It was her first. There is, uh, in the script, an adorable little add-on here where Buffy asks Joyce what she told Grandma when she (laughs) and Joyce is like, nothing! (laughs) Before saying she doesn't think her grandmother even knows. (laughs) I, you know, and I know we said it before, but it's such a realistic relationship. It is. You know, Joyce is such a good mom and she's trying you know she she doesn't understand what's going on with her daughter but she tries she tries to understand and Buffy tries to loop her in in the best way she can without she does. giving anything away I don't want to do the next scene no no and that's, mm, no mm. no we don't we don't nothing ha- everything's fine everything's fine nothing happened yay remember she went to she went to Giles's so we're filling in the scenes that happened mm-hmm. oh I guess we got okay rip the band-aid off again <laughs> let's just get there get it over with Giles <sighs> arrives home to find his door unlocked a red rose sitting upon it 
With a smile, he takes the rose and heads inside where we hear opera music playing. He calls out a hello before spying a bottle of champagne chilling on the small desk, along with a note that reads, Upstairs. I will say I am very impressed that Angel had the forethought to change the handwriting for the note. Yes. Because I was completely ready when Giles went to the note to be like, did you not recognize the handwriting as Angel's? But no, no. It's a different handwriting than the rest of his notes. Yep. At that, his smile grows. He takes off his glasses, fusses with his hair, and then grabbing the champagne, heads up the steps, his stairs lined with candles and roses. He's so happy. However, upon reaching the top, his joy turns to horror as he sees Jenny in his bed, dead. The bottle crashes to the floor, and the next thing we know, Giles is standing by his front door, police everywhere, (sighs) in the coroner's office removing Jenny's body. The officer in charge says Giles will need to come with them just to answer a few questions. And he says, of course, procedure. But it, but it's all very auto drive. Yeah. As oh. he is clearly still in shock. Mm-hmm. Still, he asks to make a phone call. So this moment, painful as it is, you can really see the genius in the writing and the directing of this series. Yes. Yes. Anthony once said when they were originally doing the episode that he thought it might be better to leave the audience wondering over the commercial break whether Jenny survived or didn't and the sequence between her and Angels sometime during the chase. Mm-hmm. But no, the creator said that what makes this sequence <clears throat> is the audience's discomfort. Yes. Seeing Giles arrive home and knowing what he is going to find. Yes. He's not wrong. No, the the like I I like Anthony's idea of leaving it open ended, but the impact on the audience is so much more of a of a gut punch because you know what happened to Jenny. So you're seeing Giles coming home and seeing this whole thing set up and you're just sitting there going, no, 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 Giles, don't, don't, yeah. no, no, don't, no. No. no, whatever is no, no. upstairs, you don't want to. And don't like, to go there. And I still like the scene because like, they use the scene of him smelling the rose and smiling in the opening credits. Yeah. Like he picks up one of the roses and smells it. And that's what they use for the opening credits. So every time I see that in the credits, I'm like, fuck you. And like that <sighs> was one of the last moments where he actually looked happy. Yeah. Because he. But again, this whole the whole setup of that scene it's so good. It's so good because, again, you know what's going to happen, but he doesn't. And then it just hits you. <sighs> we then move to Buffy's house. Angela is speaking more about passion as we watch through the window. Buffy and Willow are walking, talking, till the phone rings and Buffy runs to get it. She answers and the news sends her into shock as well. Wordlessly, she hands the phone to Willow. As she sinks down to the floor, Willow's response to the news is body-racking sobs that bring Joyce running, hugging her. All the while, Angelus watches, pleased with himself. Again, I like the way that this scene is set up. I like I, that. It, I do like that it's from his point of view, looking yeah. into the house. Yeah, and oh, you no, just and because you fantastic. know, you know that Giles is calling Buffy's house, and yeah. just knowing that he's the one on the other end and giving this bad news to the girls. Like this, this sequence has always been hard to watch. My my yeah. love for Jenny and Giles is immense, but after everything that's happened lately, it, this time it, it broke me. I I had to yeah. pause and just basically cry for like five minutes. I I stopped it. I actually, when I was watching it this morning, I stopped it right after Buffy and Willow got the phone call because I'm like, I can't, 
I can't do anymore. <laughs> We're going to be talking about it. And yeah, we just we've in our in our lives, we've just had so much happening. I mean, and we, yeah. we've we've kind of alluded to it here on the show, but we've we've lost so many people in yeah. a really quick span of time that it just everything is awful. <laughs> Yeah, we're not okay. <laughs> no, we are not okay. We're not. We're not okay. And now we have to talk about one of the absolute not okay episodes. Yeah. <sighs> It'll be fine. It is fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. Outside, Buffy and Willow wait for Xander and Cordelia who arrive in Cordy's car. Buffy asks where Giles is and Xander says no luck. By the time they got to the station, the cops had already let him go. Buffy then asks if Cordy will drive them over to his place. Of course. But don't they think Giles might want to be alone? Buffy's not really concerned with what Giles wants. She's more concerned with what he's going to try and do. Mm-hmm. And with good reason. Because Giles, he's loaded up his bag of weapons and kerosene, and he's on his way off to do some slayage. Oh, yeah. Angelus did not only kill Jenny. Oh, no. He also left Giles a sketch of her post-mortem. Oh, yeah. The crew arrives at Giles' place, letting themselves in as Xander calls out to see if Giles might be home. Getting no response, they head inside, Xander remarking that it looks like Giles had big plans for the night. Buffy Mm -hmm. tells him that Giles didn't set this up. Angelus did. Wrapping for the present as she hands him the sketch of Jenny. Oh, oh man. Poor Giles. Willow notices his weapons trunk is empty. Cordelia thought he kept his weapons at the library. No, Xander tells her those are his everyday weapons. His good weapons he keeps at home. Brings out when company's over. <laughs> Buffy returns from the upstairs and Willow says he is not there. No, he clearly went to wherever Angelus is. So the factory then. Cordy puts it together that Giles is going to try and kill Angel. Good. Xander's 10,000% behind him. And when Willow tries to scold him, he's not about it. Because you know what? He hated Angel long before <laughs> any of them did. And he thinks he should get a little bit of credit for not saying he told you so long before this. So you know what? Giles wants to go after the fiend that killed his girlfriend. Well, Xander says, faster, pussycat, kill, kill. Buffy says Xander's right. Only this revenge scenario of Giles is going to get him killed. Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, is a 1965 film by Russ Mayer. It follows three sadistic go-go dancers as they break (laughs) free from the nightclub they perform at and race into the desert to stir up some mayhem. And no, I am not making this up. No, no. I remember the first time I looked up what, what that movie is. I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a lot of fun. At the factory, Spike is letting into Angelus. Is he insane? They're supposed to kill the bitch, not leave gag gifts for in, in her friend's beds. Drew ties to reason with him, tell him that the bad teacher was going to restore Angel's soul. Okay, then let her. Spike's beginning to think he preferred the old Buffy whipped Angelus, as this new and improved one is not playing with a full sack. He loves a good prank as much as the next bloke, but right now, all this is going to lead to is one seriously brassed off slayer. I love how, I love how Spike is like, you know what? This is a little much. Yeah, this I'm, is I I am very extra and you I are say, I am a dramatic bitch, but you know what? This is a little much. This is playing not only with your food, but with everybody else's food, and we need to just get on with it. Angela says he has everything under control. Right before a Molotov cocktail comes flying into the room, <laughs> setting the table aflame. Love a good cocktail party. The vampires start to flee, but Giles shoots Angel with a crossbow bow bolt before coming at him with a bat he dipped in the fire Giles is <laughs> not fucking around right now he, he did not he he did not come to mess around 
Angelus wonders, whatever happened to wooden stakes as Giles keeps coming at him? Drew does try to intervene at one point, but Spike holds her back saying, no fair going in the ring unless he tags her first. (laughs) Angelus does eventually get the upper hand, grabbing Giles by the throat. He says Giles has had his fun, but does he know what it's time for now? Buffy says her fun as she attacks Angelus from behind. And then once he's dropped Giles, kicking him, that's when Spike and Drew make their exit. Angelus tries to exit too, but Buffy is on him, brutally beating on him until Angelus points out that if she keeps coming after him, well, then her old man is going to burn. He takes Buffy's distraction and tosses her off the catwalk before disappearing. She immediately goes to Giles, half leading, half dragging him out of the factory. As they get outside, he pushes her away, asking why she came. This wasn't her fight. She hits him and then sinks to the ground, sobbing, the two clinging to each other. Buffy asks if he was trying to get himself killed because she can't. She can't lose him. She can't do this without him. Interestingly enough, we will see a similar scene later in the comics. After Angel kills Giles, Xander will go after him, only to have Buffy stop him telling Xander that she can't lose anyone else. Mm Mm-hmm. We get one last voiceover from Angelus as we see Giles return to his apartment and then see him and Buffy at Jenny's grave. Her tombstone oddly lacking birth and death dates. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised they got a tombstone that quickly. Yeah. That's the thing about that's the thing about media that I always laugh about is how fast a tombstone gets up. Look, I think in Sunnydale, it's an exception because there's just so much death. Like they've, (laughs) they've they've got it down to a science. These these people get paid so much money. It is the best, it, you know, between that and the funeral home business, except a lot of unfortunately, a lot of the business gets up and walks away from the funeral home. Yeah. As Giles lays flowers upon the grave, he says that in his time as a watcher, he's buried many people. But Jenny was the first that he loved. And yeah, I had to pause there and cry again. Yeah. Buffy tells Giles she's sorry. She's sorry she couldn't kill Angel for him, for her. When she had the chance, we move away from the grave and towards Jenny's classroom as as a voiceover from Buffy tells us she wasn't ready, but now she thinks she just might be. There's actually more dialogue that originally went with this scene. Giles' original line being, in my years as a watcher, I've buried too many people. Some I knew, most I didn't. Jenny is the first one that I've loved. Mm. Which causes Buffy to wonder if any good even comes from falling in love, letting your emotions call the shot, because she has yet to find an upside. Entering the classroom, Willow stands at the front. She tells the class that Principal Snyder asked her to fill in until a new computer science teacher can be found. So she's just going to stick to the lesson plans that Miss Calendar left. Going to sit at the desk, we hear Buffy say that she can't keep holding on to the past. Angel is gone and nothing is going to bring him back. As the little yellow disc falls to the side of the desk. I love how dramatic this shot is. Like, just... (laughs) That was my, like, total gasp moment when this episode aired. Like, I was was very upset when Jenny died, but I remember that disc falling to the ground and I just start, like, screaming at the television. Yes. Because it's right there. It's right there. But I do like the... I do like the moment when Buffy finds the disc. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a... I I love that. I love... Well, oh, so exciting. We'll get there. I know. I know. (sighs) The... And oh, that so, was a rough ride. So as painful as this episode is, it is actually one of Anthony's favorites. I can to, imagine because well, he, he gets just, to. I mean, it doesn't even have to do with his acting in it. He just yeah. loves how like beautifully shot and beautifully written it, it is. is. 
it it's a very it's a very well done episode. I mean, even like I said, the shot of her and Angel in the dark, uh huh, with just the street lights coming out. And I was when I was rewatching it, I'm like, I was like looking at the cars driving by. Yeah. In front of the school, like you see cars going by and you're just imagining that if only somebody would look up at this window. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful shot. It's just a heartbreaking yeah. scene, but it's a beautiful shot. But um Yeah. The the opera it's, like the crescendo yeah. as he gets closer the crescendo. And closer as he- it's just everything about this is is beautiful and it's it's definitely written and directed for like every moment to invoke a certain reaction. And it yes, and everything so is well for maximum that. impact. Yes. Yeah. Because and so because so much of this show is is goofy and silly and yeah. just run of the mill. And this is kind of where things get serious with the show. Yeah, this is like th- th- shit's gone down. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to go from here. I don't think the next episode is very humorous because I think the next episode next, is killed yeah. by death. And that is, again, not one of my favorite episodes. But yeah. then we'll go to Go Fish, which is very go a little fish bit more humorous. Yeah, Go just, Fish is. And then we just between um, I Only Have Eyes for You and Becoming, we just. Yeah. The end of this at the end of this season is an emotional powerhouse and it's it's an emotional roller yeah. coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, killed by killed by death. Yeah, because that's when she's in the hospital. Yeah. I only have eyes for you, go fish, and then becoming. Yeah. So I like I like the placement of go fish yeah. before becoming because it is such a return. Yeah. It reminds me of a first season episode. Yeah, it's very, it's very school centered. I mean, both yes. I only have eyes for you and go fish are very school centered, but I only have eyes for you is also a very emotional gut punch. Yeah. For yeah. A that's lot a, of that's reasons. a very, yeah. Yeah. That one, that's why I did, yeah, and didn't include it, but go fish is it just, that does remind me of the silliness yeah. of the first season. And we get Xander in a Speedo. So, we get Xander in a Speedo. So, you know, it's, it's a good time. Yes. But yes. So um, the passion speech. So all together, um, without the pauses and breaking it up, it reads, passion. It lies in all of us, sleeping, waiting, and though unwanted, unbidden, it will stir, open its jaws and howl. It speaks to us, guides us, passion rules us, ru- passion rules us all, and we obey. What other choice do we have? Passion is the source of our finest moments the joy of love, the clarity of hatred, and the ecstasy of grief. It hurts sometimes more than we can bear. If we could live without passion, maybe we'd know some kind of peace, but we would be hollow, empty rooms, shuttered in dark. Without passion, we'd be truly dead. And I mean, that just, that pretty much is a summary of this episode, which is why they break it up. Yeah, no, and I like, I like the way that it's broken up throughout the episode and also with each of the sections that it goes with it goes with and i also like the fact that you know you forget that passion is one of those words that encompasses so much yeah because giles says at one point that you know we can't be a slave we can't be you know ruled by by passion you know which is more in that case you know, anger and going, but then later on, he is ruled by that passionate desire to hurt Angel because he hurt him. So this whole episode really does give you all different sides of that one word. So it is a really great title. 
So that is why I actually prefer the original version of the speech. Also, the speech is much more in tune with Angelus as a character Mm -hmm. because the original version is passion. It is born and though uninvited, unwelcomed, unwanted like a cancer, it takes root. It festers, it bleeds, it scabs only to rupture and bleed anew. It grows, it thrives until it consumes. It lives so it must die in time. Passion, it drives some to distraction, some to despair, some to vengeance. It drives some to murder and others to madness. Passion is the source of hope and the cause of despair. It is the source of life and the cause of death. I prefer that version. Yeah, yeah, that's a better, that is a better version. I can see why they went with like the first version because it's, one, it's not as grim. And two, it's a lot more (laughs) universal. But I think the original version was much more in tune with Angelus as a character. Yeah, I think the one that they went with also did kind of speak to how baddie he is right now. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. Oh, we (sighs) got through it. We did, we made it because that's it for this week. I'm proud of us. I am too. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on the fifth book in Julie Kenner's Demon Hunting Soccer Mom series, Demon X Machina. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.